I'm Andrew Constantine, and this is A Stick With A Point. Hello everyone, and thanks for joining me. A couple of months ago, in the dead of our Maryland winter, I had a lovely chat with the executive director of Mainly Mozart in San Diego, Nancy Laterno. As you'll hear in our conversation, as well as putting together a festival orchestra of the finest orchestral principles in the US, there's a lot more besides concerts that this festival, and I use that word loosely, has going for it. I have to say I was very surprised at the scope of their endeavours, which go well beyond what I was expecting for what I thought was simply a summer music festival. It's not. Now today is Monday, June the 14th, and if you're in the San Diego area this week, treat yourself to a trip to one of their concerts. There's some pretty exciting stuff happening. Although, as you'll learn in a few minutes, they're incredibly active the rest of the year as well. So I'm joined today by Nancy Laterno, who is Chief Executive and co-founder of Mainly Mozart in San Diego, California. That all sounds absolutely glorious, Nancy. Thank you for, for being with us today. Um, maybe you can tell us about where you are. Physically where we are. Yes. Well, we're in the very southern part of California in San Diego. We've been doing our concerts in Del Mar, a little bit north of downtown San Diego up on the coast. But we're all over San Diego County. Uh, you see, you just said it on the coasts, California, all of that sort of thing. I'm in Maryland and I'm staring out of the window at the snow. And I imagine you won't be doing that. No, we complain when it hits 55. But... <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to ask you, first of all, seriously about, about mainly Mozart and uh, uh, what the scope of the operation is, because it's more than more than a festival, isn't it? It goes way beyond any of that. And it hopefully touches countless people. But uh, tell us about its, its activities. When it started, Mainly Mozart was born as an orchestral festival. And the idea was to bring the principal players, concert masters, top players from around North America to form this all-star Mozartian orchestra. And, and we, that is how we began. But very quickly over what's now going on 33 years, in the early years, we added chamber music throughout the, throughout the year to that pretty intense chamber music series curated by Anne-Marie McDermott, pianist. Um, we have a 300 member youth orchestra and we have a series called Music in the Mind, exploring the music brain connection with another track that looks at autism. And, and all of that ties together because many years ago, we decided that we were not an organization designed just to play Ina Kleina every three years or Jupiter Symphony, or, you know, we always do have a, a wealth of Mozart on our orchestral programming, but that we were going to look at the qualities that define the man. So prodigy, uh, amateur music making. I mean, it was amateurs, you know, commissioning Mozart, um, you know, the innovation, and the whole idea of genius, we have taken, we have taken a really deep look at genius 
and, and sort of genius in unexpected places. So we very much do year-round programming. Sorry about the dog. Um, it, it just shows that we live in the real world, Nancy. Yeah. Um, so, um, but we do uh, still culminate everything that we do with this annual June festival. It's only been through COVID that we've shifted our programming, but not as much as a lot of people might have expected. Well, aren't you finding that COVID is, has created opportunities as much as uh, held you back? Because it's forced you, forced a lot of us to think, well, what are the other avenues I can explore? And rather than go on in a, a go along rather, in a, in a, um, a comfortable groove, like many of us have done in, in the music world, you suddenly think, I need to try this, I need to engage with that, and what would happen if? And it sounds as though you really are exploring all sorts of other avenues, and now the genius of Mozart is becoming something of a hook for you for so many other enterprising activities. Exactly. Ah, wonderful. Now, uh, the youth orchestra, 300? 300 in one orchestra, or do you have several orchestras? There are five ensembles. So we start as young as three years old, and then go up our advanced orchestra is very advanced and plays even in a as a chamber orchestra, but our incredible um, mainly Mozart artists who come from all over the world coach these students and work with these students. The youth orchestra is really remarkable that we have. You know what I have to I have to mention this to you because it's something that's really special to me. Um, as remarkable as it is, and it, as much as we focus on on um, education and performance at a very high level. We also actively recruit and integrate children with learning differences into our programming and into core programming. So about 30% of our kids identify as having some form of learning difference, mostly um, autism spectrum. And that's something we're very committed to. And we do a lot of work with um, you know, educating young people on the spectrum but also showcasing uh, visual and performing artists on the spectrum with the idea of genius in an unexpected places or empowering people to find your own, whatever your Mozart is. I think that's fabulous. You're, you're educating those young people, as you say, are on a spectrum, the spectrum, whatever. You're also educating people who aren't on the spectrum about the gifts of people they might not have recognized before. That's as important. And, and the children, or not, not children always, but I forgive me, but the students who are neurotypical or not on the spectrum or don't have a learning difference, a lot of times will help with, um, with the tutoring or the, or the socialization or whatever. You know, I mean, it, it really, it helps everybody. And we really try to un-other people. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the education activities, the youth orchestra, I imagine that goes on throughout the year, does it? Or, or is it focused? It, does. it goes on all year, yeah. So you have core musicians as well as the wonderful invited uh, concert masters, mistresses, and, um, and other star players that, that come to perform for you. You must have musicians who are local as well. Well, we have a resident team of instructors for our youth orchestra. And some of the musicians that we use happen to be San Diegans, but are uh, from the San Diego Symphony primarily. But our artists, even though we consider we, we are producers rather than presenters, um, our musicians come from all over. And orchestrally, they come from North America. Ah, that's an interesting term, isn't it? Producers rather than um, presenters. 
Mm-hmm. Well, bravo you, because that uh, that means that the scope of your operation is is so incredibly broad. There are no limitations at all. And I'm just looking at you on the screen and having met you for the first time and heard a lot about you. I can tell you're you're a life force, a force of nature, somebody not to be messed with, I imagine, as well. But your your personal inspirations for this, you've been doing it quite a while. You said 30, how many years? Of 30, almost 33 years. Okay, 33 years. So you don't seem to have lost any drive or inspiration at all, but where did that originally come from? What about you makes you want to do this? You know, I'm not a musician. I don't have a music background. I started working at the San Diego Symphony when I was very young. And um, I think certainly the music, but the musicians, the people I work with, the opportunity to turn nothing into something to have an idea and be able to realize it to look at a need and be able to fill it to be able to do um good you know to 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 see how people react and are impacted and 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 now during covid it's not just the audience but the artists the artists are in need you know i mean they don't have a, a voice and so i think that's part of what keeps me passionate well that brings me to to another question i was i was hoping to get to but it's it kind of encapsulated in your answer then which is what do you think the the role of mainly mozart is in the broader context of the classical music business i'm not just talking about music per se which we can isolate from the business but the the business of of actually giving work to people and persuading audiences to come along and donors subscribers what whatever other funders we get i mean how do you feel that mainly Mozart fits within that context? Because it seems to be a, something of a unique model. Mm-hmm. Specifically during COVID, are you saying? Because I must no, 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 no. Let's let's forget about COVID for now. Let's say that you've learned a lot in COVID. That is, um, uh, in addition to the way you've been operating for thirty-two years, and you're going to take that forwards. Where where do you see mainly Mozart fitting in the overall context? You know, I think that mainly Mozart has always. Um, known what its lane was, focused on kind of Mozart and the masters, but also, like I said, the qualities that define that define him. So we do tread into other genres of music or, or art even. Um, we, we are storytellers at Mainly Mozart, and we're very committed to curating what we do very thoughtfully, not forcing people to know something or feel something, but kind of inviting them to, and and doing it with, you know, collaborating with artists who can bring these stories alive at the highest artistic level. And the artists are very much part of, you know, our music director is Michael Francis. Uh, We have had artistic partners for this festival of orchestras that we're currently in but um the artists are very much part of shaping the thinking and i because i am not um a musician myself find it easier to step back and ask for input and 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 kind of glue together ideas and so i think that for everybody mainly mozart has it operates with a conscience it operates at a very high artistic level. And I mean, really an absolutely remarkable artistic level. 
by virtue of the fact that it's the best of the best of the best, you know, two from the New York Philharmonic and three from the Boston and four from Chicago and put together people who are joyful about making music together. Oh, I know they are as well. Yes, I yeah, know. I know nobody, nobody has to come here, forgive me. No, I've spent uh, several friends who, who come and play there and uh, they're all leading players in, in their orchestras or other situations and they absolutely adore being part of, of this program. So bravo to you for that. Um, the, the other side of, of uh, this business though is having to raise money for things. Do you, do you find that falls under your umbrella as well? Uh, it's, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have to, I never know when to turn it off, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it, in a really healthy time, we can raise maybe 24% of our budget through, through uh, ticket sales and tuition. During COVID, we can raise 12% through earned income. The rest is donations. And I haven't heard of anybody else being quite this crazy because we've reduced expenses administratively by a lot and reduced staff. But mainly Mozart during COVID has increased its budget by 30% and all of it's going into product, into artists, into, it's really expensive to produce during COVID. But we made a decision early on, our business is live music, whatever that looks like. In terms of fundraising, how do you then go out into the community, the, the community of benefactors that I'm sure you've cultivated over many years and are constantly looking to expand and never let go of anybody as, as we all are in, in this game. Um, how do you argue for it? What are, the, what are the, the, the buttons that you recognize you need to press with people? Is it about the education? Is it about helping people who have not been recognized before? Is it about bringing great art to the community? It tends to be in three buckets for mainly Mozart. And people, some people just want to give to the organization, but generally they are interested in our music brain work, the, the neuroscience, the neuroscientific connection with music, or in the youth orchestra, or in our community outreach and diversity work, or in the broader scope that is under that umbrella of mainly Mozart, the chamber music and the orchestral music. That of course being the mothership of what we do. Is it largely individuals who, who back you? Primarily, we do mm -hmm. get good government support. We get not great, but some corporate support. Foundations are really tricky right now because so much of the money is going to COVID and to um, diversity, equity, inclusion. And, and we're happy for that, but it does affect our funding hugely from both government and foundations. So we have to look more than ever for individual support. And we've always had to look for indiv primarily individual support, never truer than this year. Do you find as well that your audience is really your, um, your best, your strongest advocate uh, and that they go out and they try to replicate your, your message and take it further afield and, and bring other people to you who, who will be part of the family? For sure. I mean, absolutely. And it really is very much a family. And people always comment on the Mainly Mozart board or the donors or our Club Amadeus, how loyal and how enthused. But, and, but the musicians are our ambassadors too. I and mean, that's how you and I met. So um, 
Yeah, I think we try to do the right thing in the right way. And the word does, the word get, that's how the word gets out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we are surprised and more this year than ever before by people we've never heard of or heard from before hearing about what we're doing and supporting our work to support musicians and our work to support live music. Um, so it's word of mouth. We're also doing a lot in social media and we've had a lot of press coverage during this past year, particularly because of some of the ways we've innovated. What we're doing through COVID is, I haven't heard of anybody else doing it like we're doing it, how we're doing it. And it has been um, a jump off a cliff that we absolutely, I don't know why we're still standing. You know, Um, we took, we moved fast rather than to move smart in a way, but it ended up, but we thought this is the right thing. So we're going to dive, but we decide we're the first in the country to do live classical music for a live first um, arts organization to do a series of live classical music for a live audience. And, and we started on July 11th and this kind of ragtag, I mean, it wasn't really so ragtag. We thought it was fabulous. And now we're, now we're magnificent, but I don't know if people are interested in hearing, you know, we do one orchestral festival a year in, in, in June, but because of COVID we're doing four. Wow. Well, that's, that's quite incredible. I've noticed as well, you're doing something that not everybody can do, of course, which is drive through concerts or driving concerts. I don't know what the term is, but essentially uh, people are enjoying the, the wonderful weather out there um that they're not enjoying in the midwest or in the northeast or wherever else it's perishingly cold at the moment so that's a a wonderful addition to your your operation as well let's go back if we can to the earliest days of mainly mozart and as i said you were the the co-founder of this so it means you had a partner in crime i want to know where the initial inspiration for it came from though and you you obviously saw something was missing within your community that that you felt you could um, help um, uh, provide for. But what was the initial inspiration? The idea for Mainly Mozart was not mine. It was um, David Atherton, conductor David Atherton, who- Another British conductor. They're all- British conductor, we must mention, um, whose idea it was to bring together this orchestra of the top, top musicians. So it was his idea. And he, he and I had worked together for years and he came to me and said, what do you think about doing this? And um, I said, no, not me. No, I'm like, I'm off to ladylike endeavors. You know, this is brutal working in the arts. And that was in 1988, the beginning of 1988. And by September of 88, I had completely, you know, my defenses were gone and we were announcing um, the launch of, of Mainly Mozart Festival that would be for two weeks on an outdoor stage then at the Old Globe Theater um, in June uh, 1989. And I think we were protected and blessed by the fact that we had no idea how hard what we were under, what we were taking on was going to be, or I'm not sure, or how really likely it was to fail because we didn't, we, we didn't really prepare. We just kind of jumped and it was very hard. 
but the musicians, you know, it's always been based around an orchestra and we started building our loyal following then. You said that you, you now work with um, artistic advisors as well as a, as a uh, music director or conductor. I'm not sure what the title is. Um, and of course, there's an input as there always has been from great musicians from around the States. Now, all of these musicians have strong personalities, um, musical egos through the roof. How do you get them all to blend together? Is it, is it your guiding hand? No, <laughs> it's, um, oh my God, if I could name names, I could tell you stories, but these are, our, our music director is Michael Francis. So he's, he's our music director here every June. And, and it's his job to make things blend, right? And work together. But we do have a long history. And I, people always say to me, oh God, it's gotta be hard working with musicians, big egos. Oh my God, they are the easiest body. I can make myself look braver and better by saying, oh yeah, yeah, it's so hard. No, this is the kindest, most generous body as a whole of people. I can't imagine there's better in any industry, any, in any arena. Um, and to ask people like um, the, the festival we just did in October, it was full of concertmasters on stage. And to see David Kim, the concertmaster of the Philadelphia and David Chan, the concertmaster of the Med and, and David Kushran, concertmaster of Atlanta, on and on just sitting way anywhere in the back. They weren't concert mastering. And, you know, um, uh, Jonathan Vinicor, the, the principal viola of San Francisco, sat second to Cindy Phelps of the New York Philharmonic. It's, and, and I sometimes will say, I'm really sorry, but they go, you know, put me anywhere on stage. Who, who we are, they are, they are so generous. And I have never struggled with egos on that stage. Lovely. Well, this speaks wonders, doesn't it, really, to the, to the attractive qualities of, of mainly Mozart and what you've created there over the years, you and your many partners. So hats off to you. Where do you see mainly Mozart going? Do you ever take it on the road, first of all? Yes. And we'd like, to, we used to do more of it. I'd like to start to do more of it. There are some conversations in the very near future that I'm having about that. We will be going to Orange County, which is very close up the road, you know, hour and a half. Um, it can be complicated because we exist for a limited period of time. Um, but the more we take our orchestral programming outside of just June, the more it opens up the possibility of taking it on the road. And we mm -hmm. very much want to, to be doing more of that. Okay, well, that's that's kind of a, um, a physical future for, for, for mainly Mozart. If you were able to define a more philosophical future, are there programs, projects, areas that you haven't been able to engage with or explore yet that if money was no object, you'd like to take on? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> but you're keeping those under your hat in case I steal those ideas. Is that <laughs> no, um, people sometimes, it's usually in the press, will, will come and they'll be stunned by what happens on this stage. And they'll say mainly Mozart is, is 
you know, the best kept secret in the US. Oh my God, that just kills me. We do not want to be a best kept secret. So first of all, to continue to do what we do and have the public understand better what it is that we're doing, what's happening here in San Diego. You, you know, we just finished a festival featuring members of the uh, musicians of the LA Phil with musicians of the San Francisco Symphony forming an orchestra. Well, you couldn't go see them in San Francisco or LA and certainly nowhere else in the country, but you could come to San Diego and see it. And, and we sell off those concerts, but the capacity in a drive-in format is not large. I, I would wish for um, the means to be able to fulfill vision that we currently have that we are not yet able to fulfill for lack of funding. To not take my staff down to 50% and ask everybody to work twice as hard, which is what we're doing, which is what we've done. Um, and everybody's on board because they keep saying we're making history and we're creating magic. And I, it just means I have the right team. But I would like to do this without our hands quite as tied, to be able to broaden what we do with this orchestral programming with some of the greatest orchestral players in the world, to be able to do really meaningful chamber music, which I think we already do, but it's, it's not the core of what we do, to be able to tour our youth orchestra and to be able to bring the attention to this music brain connection that is, that is explored here in San Diego differently than it is explored anyplace else. And I do hear people say, oh yeah, yeah, they do that here, they do. No, the, the intersection that we create among music and medicine and neuroscience, neurotechnology and therapy, that, no, you're not seeing that everywhere. And, and it was ac really by accident that we started our autism focus because it was the year that Michael Francis, um, programmed around Prodigy on a six-year journey of Mozart, first year being Prodigy. And so we had Mozart and the, the music um, and the mind series focus on Prodigy. And it was there that it was, well, there's not that much known about Prodigy, but there is a lot known about, about um, not autism specifically, but that's how we went off into an autism dire direction and work very closely in the autism community now in a way that feels important. And I'd like I'd like not to be so stingy with each of those programs. I'd like to give each of those programs the attention and the life that, that they deserve. Well, Nancy, I can't imagine anybody being a more forceful and convincing advocate for any of the programs that, that you enthuse about the way you do. Uh, you must have an enormous number of personal admirers out there who 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 uh, value exactly what you've done for so long and i've really enjoyed chatting with you today and learning so much about mainly mozart i'm going to give you one chance now to either tell me a funny story that's happened on stage there or you can tell me this might be the easier one what is the one thing when you shuffle off this mortal coil in many years time that you'd like to be most remembered for Oh, okay, I'm gonna do mainly Mozart, but the truth is I'm like a, my, a mother, I'm a, I have a son and that's my greatest um, 
pride and accomplishment. But I think if um, I am really proud of what this organization collectively has done during a time of crisis that we've stayed true to our mission, to what's important, to live performance, to our commitment to music and musicians. Um, and, and I would like to leave this organization someday um, healthy and strong and moving forward and, and never veering from the moral thing, the right thing, the mission-driven thing that we are doing. Nancy, that's a wonderful answer. Essentially, you had two shots at it, and I'm going to I'm going to allow that. But it was it was the right answer, and it's uh, it's a fascinating answer as well. Nancy Latano, thank you so much for being with us today. You've been great fun, very informative, and uh, I wish you well with mainly Mozart for many years to come. I'm so grateful. Thank you. People like Nancy Letourneau are very rare. They have energy, belief, passion, and a degree of bloody-mindedness that never says no and never compromises. Next time, my guest is Dominic Parker, director of the BBC Scottish Symphony Orchestra. And hopefully he's going to enlighten us into how a major symphony orchestra navigates its path in a competitive and sometimes ruthless market whilst maintaining its position as part of the world's greatest public broadcasting service. I'm Andrew Constantine, and you've been listening to A Stick With A Point. <laughs>